Hi, James. How are you? Good. So uh, this is the final edition of our Let's Get Caught Up uh, podcast, as I mentioned in the first one, where we got caught up on baseball with a uh, all-star break uh, kind of assessment of the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, we had a lot of technical issues uh, with uh, technology issues with Gabby moving up to Massachusetts, and so uh, on her end with her apartment, and then our end at my place, and then ultimately, like, it just, it was either we couldn't record or we could, and we just couldn't upload it, and then we just... We're finally all set, so we're just doing one episode uh, focusing on each of the three sports that were going on in the time since our last uh, episode. Uh, we focused on baseball already, and the last one that we did was on the Celtics and everything that happened from the end of their series with the Cavaliers all the way through their offseason up to this point. And now we're going to focus on hockey. Uh, a lot has happened <laughs> um, in all three of those. Uh, we got into baseball and basketball. Now let's move on to the Bruins and the Rangers where there was an expansion draft. There's a professional sports team in Las Vegas starting next season in the Vegas Golden Knights. One, are you excited for that? Of course I am. As much as I wanted a team in Quebec or Seattle first, I'll take it. Their social media presence seems really good. Ride or die for a Seattle expansion team. Oh, absolutely. But listen, <laughs> the Vegas looks like they're having a good time. I'm, I'm going to let them roll with it, even though I don't like they have ice girls, but that's a different conversation. But yep. you go VGK. Yeah, their social media department is already one of the best in the league. I was going to say, they hired all the good people from everywhere else. I've already known a couple of the people who've gone out there. They they picked a lot of the best and brightest. Good for them, honestly. They're, they're really yeah. killing the game. Uh, but with an expansion team comes an expansion draft. And so uh, the way that the rules were is that uh, very quickly, like ground basis, I'm sure this was covered like down to the minutia if you want to go back and like go back and look at it but you teams had two choices on how to protect their players they could either go with eight skaters in total and one goaltender or they could go with seven forwards three defensemen and a goaltender so either protect eight 11 skaters breaking it up into the two forward and defenseman subcategory and a goalie or eight players that you're choosing uh if you were a player in your first or second year in the league you were automatically protected if you are a player who had uh, a no-movement clause in your contract, you would be forced to be one of the protected players by your team. Uh, the Bruins had three such players uh, with Bacchus, uh, four such players with Bacchus, uh, Bergeron, Krejci, and Chara. Uh, I'm not exactly who are, sure who they were with the Rangers, but re- regardless, uh, both the Rangers and the Bruins decided to go with the seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie option. The Rangers' protected uh, list included Kevin Hayes, uh, Chris Kreider, Chris is the first name, right? Yes, Chris Kreider. I, 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 I can I can do the list. Sorry, as the I just had fan. a I just had a brain fart for a second. Chris yes, Kreider. Yeah, yeah. You handle you handle the Rangers protect the list. I'm not gonna take the Bruins from you, so I'll take the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, J T Miller, Rick Nash, Derek Stepan, Mika Zibanejad, Matt Zuccarello as the forwards, Nick Holden, Ryan McDonough, Mark Stahl. Again, McDonough and Stahl, two of the required that they protected, and Henrik Lundqvist, of course, as the goaltender they protected. So, first off, was there anyone that you felt should have been on that protected list when you initially heard it? Because I, I remember uh, when it came out, we had Angel Network on, and we were just sipping our coffee. The, the list was released at, like, 10 in the morning the day after the, the deadline for the teams to submit their list, and we were just sitting in our coffee watching on Angel Network because they were going team by team with the graphic. We were like, ooh, that's an interesting unprotected player. <laughs> like, yeah. that's pretty much how it felt the entire morning. I was kind of surprised that they kept Holden as their defenseman and 
left Lindbergh unprotected. That was really the only thing I was iffy about. I understood the rest of the moves that they were going to end up having to make. The rest of the guys they well, exposed. Well, though, right? Yes. So he fulfilled the three defensemen. So they had already right. used all their uh, forward well, spots. I had assumed they were going to go with the skaters because they have a lot of good younger options that I thought they would want to keep going forward, especially for less money. Even a guy like Jesper Faust, too, that was kind of a surprise for me because I thought, I, again, this will play out as we go along, but... Uh, seeing those two both available was definitely a surprise. I would have thought you would have picked one or the other. So seeing Holden protected, using that as a third defenseman and going 7-3-1 versus 8-1 kind of surprised me. I, yeah. I thought they would have flexed it the other way to keep one of those two players protected. So ultimately the way it worked out, it was like protected list was released uh, mid- middle of the week, a couple of days later, The announced uh, there was the whole uh, award show for like the – big like individual awards for the season with like the MVP yeah so the protected that. list was announced on sunday and i think it was either tuesday or wednesday at the nhl yeah. awards they had at the, done at the nhl awards it was anna- uh, announced gradually throughout the night who uh, vegas had selected from each team and then later that week on that friday and saturday it was the nhl draft like the uh, player selection draft uh and uh then beyond that obviously free agency kicked in like a week later week so like that. everything kind of spiraled and the expansion draft was just the first thing in the offseason. Right. So, it was the first domino for a lot of teams yeah, to fall. So because it was the first domino, we're going to start with that. But obviously there have been implications on both teams that have happened since then. Right. That might have affected our views of how that list happened. So we're just going to kind of go off of our memory what our initial reaction was and then say how it has since been affected by other moves. I right. feel like that's the best way to no, go through absolutely. it. No, absolutely. The natural progression of things. And so uh, – uh, for the Bruins, they protect the list. They also went with the seven forwards, three defensemen. Uh, Bacchus, Bergeron, Krejci, all were forced to be protected. Uh, then they chose Marshawn, Pasternak, Riley Nash, and Ryan Spooner. Their defensemen were Kevin Miller, Zdeno Char, who they had to protect, and Tori Krug, and Tuka Rask. So, for me, initially, I was thinking go with the eight skaters, but uh, and then one defenseman, but you would be able. You wouldn't be protecting as many players, and so I went back and I was thinking, looking through their roster, and I, and I was thinking, okay, eight players. Would they've been able to protect all the defensemen I wanted to protect? Because ultimately, I wanted them to protect Colin Miller and Kevin Miller. Right. Ev- everyone was saying, oh, uh, they're going to have to decide between one of the two. Honestly, I feel Colin Miller is a right-handed shot version already of what Tory Krug is, except he's on a much more affordable salary. So I would have protected, preferred for, for them to leave Tory Krug unprotected. He's small. He's smaller. He's uh, uh, like I, I love everything he brings, but he's a five million dollar guy to be right. a power play specialist and a third uh, undersized third pairing left shot defenseman. R- Colin Miller is is actually like six three. He pr- he runs one of the power play unit, the other power play unit that Tory Krug is not on from the point. He's got a bomb of a shot, and he's right handed. And yes, you could say they're loaded right handed. But most of last season, he was paired up with Kevin Miller, who switched and played on the offside, right. and actually seemed pretty comfortable there. So it, if you have one defenseman who's a right shot, but he played most of the season and played pretty well on the on his offhand side, and they played well together, you already got a set pairing with the Miller timeline. Why, why would you not want to protect both of them and get rid of a guy who is now way overpaid for what he provides you right. as a bottom pairing guy? I would have wanted them to... Like, if I had a choice, I would say protect Krug, both Millers, and let Ch- leave Char off, but he has a no movement. Right. You're forced to put him on that right. list. And so I started looking at uh, the list at the fours that, that they protected and said, 
okay, so who would I have taken off if it was eight skaters and, and left them out? And ultimately, it if they went down to eight skaters and, and looking back on it, they wouldn't have had the spots really to protect the defensemen because of the, the, the char situation. Right. So, so they were handcuffed by their no they were, movement. They were handcuffed time. by Charles no movement situation, uh, no movement clause, which sucks because that ruins my entire thought and <laughs> opinion on this. Uh, so when everyone's like, "Oh, uh, it's personal preference on which Miller you ch- they chose," it's like, well, I still wish that they kept both Millers. They could have taken Krug off that list. He's way overpaid for what they provide. They provide, oh, totally. and that's nothing again. That's nothing bad about Krug. It's just it, no, it's but the contract. Especially, again, when you see the players that are left exposed, there's guys you could find on the open market that could fulfill those needs. Yeah. It was like the argument I would have with some uh, Bruins fans who would uh, defend Chris Kelly for the longest time. And and ultimately what we would come to is that we all like Chris Kelly. We liked what he provided, but what he, w- he was being way overpaid for that, what it was being provided in that, and that was hurting their cap. And, and the thing is, the difference was Kelly was in a in a whole slew of contracts that were signed by Peter Shirelli in the end of his term with the, as Bruins GM that really handcuffed them in terms of the cap. Right now, they have a lot of youth coming through with Don Sweeney as GM, and he unloaded a lot of those bad contracts. So they don't have a lot of uh, – they actually have cap space to maneuver with, and they have a lot of young talent who are going to be, continue to come through and expiring uh, – contracts from the end of the Shirelli deal that he's just going to let walk. Right, and the thing with that too is if you expose Krug, that's an opportunity even if no one picks him up because of the, if Vegas doesn't pick him up because of the contract, another team might want to trade for him and understand that he is now on the market. Yeah. Because that's what spurned a lot of these deals was, okay, they only took one of these guys, but then there's the opportunity to say, oh, he's available, let's talk. There was so yeah. much more wheeling and dealing on the on draft day, that uh, amateur draft, obviously, yeah. uh, that it provided way more opportunities for teams to try to get deals done and get a lot of trades done, which is yeah. one of the things the Rangers did. Now, that being said, they could have... Uh, I want them to protect Colin Miller, right? Right. So they could have gone the eight skaters route, but it means you're protecting less skaters in general. Right. So you would have been cutting, exposing more players. Why the hell were Ryan Spooner and Riley Nash both protected? I don't get why everyone's like, oh, well, I understand the Riley Nash thing. He's a fourth-line guy who played a little bit of third-line minutes when there was a guy, a couple of people injured in the year. And then he had a good playoff series in which he lost by six, in six games. Right. And you have better players who are younger than him who are up and coming. So it's like well, right again. It's the you're not knocking what he brings to the team, but you're saying you've now overvalued what his contributions wait, why are. Why are you why are you protecting Riley Nash, and then Ryan Spooner, who you've been trying to trade since like last off season, right? Coming into his last year, coming into his last year of the deal, uh, uh, uh he was a restricted free agent. He went to arbitration, uh, a restricted free agent. You've been trying to trade him for the longest time. He's a young kid with pretty good upside and pretty decent offensive numbers, particularly on the power play, but the. He's invisible most of the time in terms of actual game impact. He's invisible a lot of the time. It's literally only in the power play where I really see him. You could have gone down to the eight scares and exposed both of them, and maybe one of them would be more enticing, or could have been you, or you could have gone the route of uh, uh, expansion draft implications and traded Ryan Spooner to Vegas for dra- uh, uh, draft expansion for expansion draft considerations to not take Colin Miller. A lot. You saw a lot of teams doing that, trading right. players that they were and, and uh, other assets to entice Vegas to take them in order to not pick the player that they wanted to go. And Vegas, the way that they went, they didn't select a lot of veteran guys. They selected a lot of young guys. They really didn't. They then, built up from the ground and up. And then a lot of the veterans that they did select, they ended up turning around and just trading for uh, future f- assets anyway. 
Right. So ultimately, they're building for the long term. Spooner's a long term move. That would have been the right thing to do. Instead, they protected him and said, oh, hopefully, we'll figure out a contract and then trade him once he has a contract because he's a more valuable commodity. He was a valuable commodity to Vegas and pretty much Vegas only if you wanted to go that route for expansion draft considerations. But it seemed like they didn't pressure them at all. They just said, we're going to lose one of the Millers. They, they looked at it like a lot of people in the media were. Like, oh, we're going to lose one of the Millers. We just got to be okay with that. It's like, right, right, they're grieving him before he's gone, and it's like, you it's had like, other options. I, I, liked both of, I, I like what both of them bring, and they bring very different things. All right, so, so I'm going to fast forward a few days to when we actually had the expansion draft. The five main guys that were then left available for the Rangers, again, got, there were guys who had a lot of time up and down, but the main five that were available, Michael Grabner, Jesper Fast, Auntie Ranta, Kevin Klein, and Oscar Lindbergh. Vegas ended up picking Oscar Lindbergh, which was heartbreaking for me. He was the one... It was either, like I said, him or fast that I really, really didn't want them to pick. I had a hope and a, uh, you know, there was the what do you want them to pick and who do you think they're going to pick. And those are two very different things. I had hoped that they would pick up Auntie Ranta. Again, the Rangers have sort of had this pedigree of the guy who plays behind Lundqvist gets a good amount of playing time, is a serviceable guy, can become a really great starter, has filled in in stretches when Lundqvist has either gotten hurt or has really needed a break. So I was really hoping that Ronta would be that guy. Again, as we'll talk in a little bit, Ronta ended up getting moved anyway. They ended up taking Oscar Lindbergh, who is a really great young commodity. I'm sorry to see him go, but with what the Rangers have been able to bring in, they've kind of mitigated that loss a little bit. But again, you saw the youth movement that Vegas wanted to go for. Lindbergh is an excellent component for that, and I give them a lot of credit. They picked a really strong guy. People, A lot of fans were saying, oh, they're going to pick Michael Grabner. They want the veteran. No, they who wants Michael Grabner? You can get him on the free agent market. Again, a lot of people are dumbing down what George McPhee, again, George McPhee, formerly of the Watt, like, they didn't pull a guy off the street yeah. who owned a casino and was like, hey, you can run a hockey team. No, they brought in George McPhee. They brought in a guy who knew what he was doing. Of course, he's not going to take Michael Grabner. That's a waste of his time. He knew what he was doing. He picked Lindbergh. It was a great move by him. I'm disappointed that he's gone, but like I said, they brought in some good draft talent in the amateur draft, again, getting a seventh overall pick, which was pretty excellent in the return from Phoenix. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into trades right, and how so that in, in a bit. It hurts, so, but it's been negated since yeah, then. So they lost Oscar Lindbergh. Uh, ultimately, the player who I wanted them to protect and was upset that they didn't find a way to protect uh, or find a way to try and trade to in order to protect him, trading another player, was Colin Miller. They lost Colin Miller in that expansion draft. I got into all the reasons why I wanted them to keep him and how I thought they could have kept him uh, before. So I'm, I'm just going to move on because literally it, it, I'd just be a broken record. Uh, so let's move on to the free agency and trades that have happened since then. Uh, the Rangers uh, protected Stepan in the expansion draft to then turn around and trade him in Antiranta to Arizona for D'Angelo and a seventh overall pick. Right, so they got Anthony D'Angelo, who people like his physicality, but they think he's a little nuts. Which position is he? I don't. He's a forward. Okay. Um, his biggest thing was that uh, he's a bigger version of Sean Avery. He's got. Oh God. Not as as we're going back to Sean Avery. As chirpy, as gritty. The game's not played that way. Anymore. He's more of the old school power forward that the Rangers tried to draft post lockout, but pre Cup era. So a lot of the Tom Rennie players were big power forward guys. I don't know. I think because of the type of European finesse, it couldn't hurt to have guys that were more physical. But again, I think that's what your defense been bringing to the game. So they're drafting Glenn Murray? 
No, they didn't draft. Well, no, they drafted a finesse I, I, European I mean, they guy. traded for basically a, a modern day Glenn Murray. I just. In terms of Bruins, a lot standards. of people were saying that they needed like a, a Chris Neal. And I was like, you don't need Chris Neal. You play European East West. You don't need guys who are just going to hit somebody in the face. That defeats the purpose. So, again, that was what their choice was. We can see, you know, a big bodied prospect can't hurt. You have a guy like Chris Kreider who, again, brings a tone of physicality but has a finishability. If that's what you turn D'Angelo into and not a nut like Chris Neal, all right, I'll take it, whatever. The seventh overall pick, they turned into Anderson. I like him as a, a mobile, again. Not me. Yeah, not, not you. Not yours truly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Elias Anderson, but again, I would have to double check that. They got another pick in Scheidel, another European guy. Two, again, very finesse guys. Good hands, decent finishability, but again, prospects are still prospects. Uh, we kind of saw towards the end of the season, Stepan was going to be the guy that was going to go. There was a lot of rumors, especially leading up to the expansion draft. Just like he... his hairline. Yep. Sorry, <laughs> right. they replaced him with another bald eagle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they lost uh, Stepan, and then they signed uh, Dayarnay, uh, formerly of the Canadians, and then Much later, of though. the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Um. So they brought him in again. I am iffy about this one he adds something to the depth chart that they could use he's really good as a third line fourth line center my biggest concern is where that leaves both Jesper Fast and JT Miller because at that point Miller and Fast are filling up that same kind of third line role and so if you add in DeHarnay that's a roster spot one of those two can't take so that's a little bit of a concern there especially why re-sign Fast to a really good deal um, which is another one of their moves. They re-signed him as a restricted free agent. They got him for about 1.7 per year, if my memory serves, for two years, which is excellent money. Excellent money for fast. We were nervous that if it was going to be that he either hits arbitration, gets more money, hits the open, you know, gets more interest now that he was exposed in the draft, that that would mean more money you'd have to pay him, especially when you're getting to be closer and closer on the cap. That was one of the big things, too, a step on. You cleared a lot of cash with that deal. So even if you only got a lot of rookie deals and younger moves out of it, that was a lot more bodies that you would get. So the DeHarnay deal definitely puts them in an interesting spot with their bottom six forwards, but they've certainly supplemented. If they have, I think it's a lot more of an insurance move for what they had with Mika Zibanejad going down for such a long stretch yeah. last season. Who they, and who they they just resigned too by the way yep. Mika Zibanejad do you have the numbers on that I don't offhand I can pull them yeah. up though but yeah pull them up in a bit Let, let's just talk about like uh, as you were mentioning oh uh, yeah so I think DeHarnay is a really good depth piece for them I think if you have how Zibanejad was out for a few months with that broken leg it's the opportunity again that if you need a guy like Miller like Fast to hop up to be a top six you need to use them as a swing guy even if you want to bring VZ up and swing him up higher that gives the opportunity to fill in. Right now on the death chart, VZ's playing on the fourth line, which is stupid, <laughs> regardless. And again, gives you the opportunity to move guys around and fill in if you need him. He's a guy that, again, a long West Coast road trip, you have guys who are a little more dinged up, you have a long injury, then that's what you're going to have to work with is him. And I think that's a really excellent veteran leadership for him to do and for Jeff Gordon to bring in. So I'm I appreciate that. It makes me nervous because now it seems like Miller's on the outside looking in, which can't really be that great. He's been a guy who the more playing time he gets, the more he improves. So I think that's certainly difficult for him. But it's 
it's good for insurance for sure. Yeah, and then obviously going with step on to uh, the Arizona in the Arizona deal was Antti Ranta, so you lost your backup goalie. So the Rangers had to go and they had to go sign a backup goalie. So they instead of going for a young and developmental route like a college free agent or some or something like that, uh, they decided to go with a veteran backup with Andre Pavlik from the. Uh, Thrashers t- slash Jets throughout his career. <laughs> was like it has what, been a what thrashers, thrashers for a while. I haven't had a Thrashers reference in a Ooh. while. Um, <laughs> well, the, I think the big yeah. thing with that is, as you point out, not taking a college free agent. They have Tyler Wool, who is with oh, yeah. UMass Lowell. Yeah, yeah, he's with UMass Lowell. Um, and he's still doing really well with the Riverhawks. So I think he's a guy that they're going to keep their he's eye young, on. Though. Going, I think right. he started as a freshman. He's only he's going to his junior year or something like yep. that. Yep, he's just entering his upperclassman year. So I think again. They have Pavlik for those two years, at least if he's in college. If he wants to finish out with the Riverhawks, which I totally think he will. um, By the sound of it, Wool is a better prospect coming out of UML than uh, Hellebuck. Hellebuck was, yeah. Yeah. From just my eye test alone and seeing him with the more experience, he's definitely reading the angles a lot better. Hellebuck was good because he was big. Um, but I really like big long legs, big pads, just put them on the ground and a butterfly. Yep. Basically. Uh, I like what Norm Bazin's working with wool. He really trusts him a lot. So I certainly like what he brings to the table. So I think they use Pavlik as more of a short term gap to fill in while they treat wool and give him a little bit more of that time to feel comfortable in developing. I don't believe they re-signed Skapsky. If they did, it's just to a minor <laughs> league deal. So, uh, so I we can frequent toads in New Haven. <laughs> classic, classic Scaps. But, um, so, yeah, I don't mind the Pavlik move. It forces Lundquist to not either go to the Olympics or get hurt. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of good insurance, again, in that move as well. Yeah, and then Kevin Klein, a defenseman who I feel was very undervalued. And I, I love uh, – I think the, that was one of the bigger trades they've made yeah, in the last yeah, four years. Yeah, you guys traded for him. And then, I, I like, watching the Rangers a lot uh, with you, I, I instantly loved him as a depth and, like, bottom-pairing veteran presence. Uh, and I would have loved for the Bruins to uh, get him. Uh, just, like I understand they're trying to open up spots for all these young defensemen, uh, but Chara is the only veteran presence you get right now, and they they should be looking to find a way to move on from him, or he's probably going to retire after this season or something like that. And I, he's he was only 32. When, uh, retiring Kevin Klein, uh, but now you're saying that there's rumors that he might be going over to Europe. Why? Is yeah, he from Europe? People, or, no. I thought he was Canadian. Yeah, uh, I think some people just said that he could fit in well in a European system. I didn't heard That's anything weird. of him signing. Um, I mean, he could. He would fit really well in, like, a Swedish system, but that doesn't mean you go to the Swedish Elite League. Right. So I, I think it's up to him. That might have just been a rumor going around, but I was really impressed. I really appreciated his tenure. Um, I want to keep on that defensive side, though, for sure. They, The Rangers decided to drop Dan Girardi's contract to yes, that's right. be rid themselves. Yeah, but on his contract. <clears throat> So that was one big factor going into the offseason. For a contract, I thought he would have maybe got like five years ago, but not even now. Like, yeah, that I, was a peak Girardi contract. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, again, like to tell you how bad your team is when Dan Girardi is on defense, but <laughs> he brings a lot in terms of locker room presence, not a lot in terms of... Yeah, but that's not worth, what, five mil a year he got? Yeah, that's that's their call. I'm not telling Tampa how to run their, off, their, their general managing. Um but that was one of the big things going into the offseason was they wanted to clean house a lot with the defensemen. They had some guys that were iffy. They wanted to really just structure down and pare it down to who's going to best serve Ryan McDonough. And they did that. They got rid of Girardi. Klein left on his own terms. They had protected Holden, which was an interesting pick. And then they got the best, the diamond of the free agent class this year, 
in my opinion. Why? Why are you making a face? I, I have no idea who you're going to talk about. Kevin Shattenkirk. Oh, Jesus. I the diamond of the free agent class. Ugh. He's the one you put in the middle of the engagement ring. Overrated. Even if he is, he still fits in perfectly with Ryan McDonough. He, he got him on a good deal, at least. Like, uh, with how overrated and like bloated his name and his value has been over the last few years, being a consistent uh, trade chip for the Blues to get rid of uh, the trade deadline, and then he finally was traded to Washington for a pretty heavy, like a, yeah, him a, for a pretty penny. And so then just he and TJ Oshie into a obl- like oblivion, like basically just fall into like complete. Uh, completely into the background and like a black hole in Washington to the point where he was losing minutes in the playoffs. And he was on the third pairing buried down there. I think he's going to compliment McDonough really nicely. Excuse me. That sets up the Rangers defense and their depth chart to be McDonough and Shattenkirk as two team USA. I think in a lot of occasions they have played together for team USA as at, a pair, at least in the youth level. Yeah. In the right. Development program. I can't remember if they had when they were in college on like, under 20, under 18. I'm pretty sure they would have. Um, if not on the same pair, at least on the same team and probably practicing on the same pairing at points. And yeah, so those two match up really nicely. The Rangers kind of have the opposite problem of the Bruins. They have four left. They have five left-handed defensemen. Shattenkirk's actually their only right-handed defenseman. Wait, really? Yep. Ah. Uh, so then they have Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith. Again, Smith was someone that they had the option to kind of flex. They kept Smith. He's now second pair with Mark Stahl. And then Brady Shea and Nick Holden are their third pair. That's a good young third pairing though the for problem, development purposes the problem is elaine vignal hates hates playing brady shea brady shea has i don't know why he seems he nick has holden gets holden all of those anyway. minutes holden gets i mean young pairing nick holden is 30 uh he's 30 nick holden is 30 Man, why the hell have i not heard of him before until this season? i know everyone's like oh young guns it's like he's really old uh not really old like Sport. He and Mark Stahl are the same age, but you do not think of them as the no. same age. No, at wasn't all. this wasn't this Holden's rookie year? It w- there's no way it was. Then where the hell was he before this? I don't. I never heard of him before. Regardless, until the playoffs where he shattered his stick on a play in front of the net. <laughs> the the horror flashbacks. <laughs> Regardless, uh, they have he and Brady, uh, Brady Shea and Nick Holden as the bottom two pairing. If Vigneault decides to actually play the two of them, that could actually work out. Stahl and Holden are abysmal together. Please, Lord, do not put them back together. Yeah. They were terrible against Ottawa. They were an embarrassment against Ottawa. Uh, so that's kind of the way it's shaping out to be now on the defensive side. With one bald eagle and Derek Stefan gone, they brought in another in the defense with Kevin Chattenkirk. Yeah. Hometown. Hometown boy from New Rochelle. So with all the young talent coming through, the Bruins have strategically decided to be quiet this offseason uh, for the most part. Uh, a little too quiet, though. For my liking. Um, have we checked to make sure they have a pulse? Yes. So uh, one move I really, really love is Kenny Agostino. Brought in on really good money. He was uh, His rights were traded while he was at Yale at one point uh, to Calgary, who he then signed with out of, out of school. Uh, signed a deal, went right to the NHL, played like four games, played well, and then the season ended. And then next year in training camp, for some reason, he f- they didn't really like him, put him in the AHL. He has since bounced around, I think, being put in a couple of trades or his contract expired, and he kept just signing AHL contracts. He's been a really good AHL player. He was the AHL MVP last year. Why he hasn't gotten an AHL crack, I don't know. Uh, uh, Calgary's been pushing and trading for a lot of uh, NHL-ready talent because I think Calgary's really pushing to be relevant again. I was going to say, because they need to. Yeah, uh, so uh, I guess 
the spots that were originally open f- up for him uh, are no longer open for him. I think he he was originally drafted by Columbus, so that trade happened before he even left Yale. So like it, it's, nothing's even gonna happen there. He won a national championship with Yale. I'm not gonna say anything more than that. I was in the uh-huh. building rooting for the team that they were playing against because that's I'm where we went. I'm just gonna have some water and dry my tears in my Quinnipiac Bobcats Ugh. mug. Yeah. So. Uh, Watching him uh, at Yale, uh, no, but he def- was an elite talent. You could yeah, see his yeah, offensive upside. Right away, yeah, right, right away. So I think getting him on good money for, uh, I believe it was a, multi- a two-year contract uh, for a guy who just won the AHL MVP, who's been a really good AHL uh, player who just needs the opportunity to go to to stay at the NHL level. It was a one-way contract, so he's guaranteed to be up here, uh, up with the big clubs. So that's going to be really good in terms of third line and fourth line forward depth. Uh, and continue to develop along with all their other young players uh, who, who they're hoping to make a jump, like Zarnik hoping to make a jump. They're hoping for uh, Danton Hyden to make a jump. So they signed him. Then they signed two uh, veteran defensemen who are really depth pieces who I've never heard of. One <laughs> of them, uh, Sh- Schwartz and Potsma. I've definitely heard of both of those. Yeah, they're, they're basically, I think, a second Tommy Cross and then uh, John Michael Lyles replacement, like a seventh veteran defenseman. I would say more John Michael Lyles, less Tommy Cross. Tommy Cross was really a waiver from the minors. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, never really heard of them, but they both were signed. Oh, excuse me. The biggest thing, though, I know you're going to get yeah. to it. Yeah. So they, uh, uh, Dominic Moore, in terms of who they lost, who were free agents, Dominic Moore, they let walk away. Uh, I think he went to Toronto. Zach Ronaldo. Worst trade I think I've ever seen. Good riddance. That guy should be out of the league, honestly. Uh, well, he was in the AHL uh, for like three and a half mil a year. Uh, John Michael Lyles is gone. Uh, Joe Morrow, another one of the young defensemen who just de- never really seemed to crack the lineup for some reason amongst a, a bunch of other young defensemen. The most playing time I think he ever got was when Claude was the coach, which makes sense because now he's with the Habs with Claude <laughs> as his coach. So he's going to be like a young third pairing left uh, shot like a uh, puck moving defenseman up there in in uh, Montreal with the Canadians. Uh, in terms of guys, they brought in. Uh, they also re-signed Tim Schaller to a one-year deal. Uh, and recently, as I mentioned earlier, doing during the uh, expansion draft protection list, why I didn't want Spooner on there, dangle him out there. You've been trying to get rid of him for a while. Let someone else deal with the arbitration. Sign this guy. Just something that his numbers. Say he's way worth he's worth way more than he actually is because his numbers are highly inflated by power play numbers. Right. So, uh, it, let someone else deal with that, or better yet, use him as a trade trip to protect someone else. They ultimately didn't. They just put him on the protection list. Protection list, I guess, because they want to get him, but clearly not enough for a long term deal. They went to arbitration, and the way arbitration works in the NHL is because of the cap system. The obviously, as arbitration works in every league that has arbitration. There's a moderator. The team puts in what they think the player is worth. The player and their agent put in what they're requesting, and then they talk, they hash it out. The moderator and the the arbitrator ultimately deems which person he thinks uh, has the most convincing argument to, to, to win and then awards it to that person. Mm. The Bruins put in for $2 million for uh, per year, and uh, Ryan Spooner and his agent put in 3.8. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you put in $4 million or higher from the player and agent side of it and you win arbitration, you have to be signed by your team. Okay. You cannot be traded, cut, or released. 
Right, because then it's the the theory is the team would want to cash would want to not yeah. give you the money. Yeah, if you are under that four, if you put in for under that four million dollar mark, then the team. Uh, no, excuse me. Uh, if it's four million dollars or higher, then you can be cut or traded. It, 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 it's the reverse of that. Okay. If you're under four million dollars, then you have to be signed by your team because it's like, oh, it's an affordable contract. Right. Like, like, there's not like regardless of right, how you're bad you're arguing over small yeah, money, you're yeah, not going to make an impact regardless on the of your cap. cap situation. Like, you should be able to afford it. Right. You know what I mean? I gotcha. He put in for three point eight, two hundred thousand, just below that threshold. In other words, Bruins, if I win this, you have to sign me. So now let's get to the negotiation table. Let's right. just try and avoid all this crap, so you can re-sign me now. And then he can try to eke out more money at the negotiating table because they'll say, well, it's not the money you put out for arbitration, but yeah. we'll still be a winner if we only get you at 3, 3.2. Yeah. Ultimately, they signed him for one year and 2.824. So they met somewhere in the middle, but much closer to the... Uh, basically, yeah, like right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, And pretty much this is being praised as like, oh, that's not bad numbers. It doesn't hinder them in the cap in terms of doing things at the deadline. Uh, it, we kind of know what Spooner is going to give them, so at least you have some consistency on the power play. And he's been a trade trip, so we can still have him as a trade trip at the trade deadline. He's been a trade trip for three years. What difference is it going to make that now in a contract year where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year that he's uh, he's a trade trip at the trade deadline again? Right. What, I was going to say, in the, in the offseason market that's been the most active that we've seen in the NHL, probably post-lockout, I would argue, uh, yeah. since the teams have been trying to reassemble in a cap era – that this is the most active we've had it. So if no one wants to touch him when he has the open, yeah. the most open market, and especially in a year where more and more teams are shifting towards more defensemen, yeah, why, you know, yeah, no yeah. one would touch him with the ten foot pole. Yeah, Dang- dangle him out there in the expansion draft, or use him to protect Kevin Colin Miller if you need to leave him unexposed. Need to leave him exposed. If that doesn't mar- work, then that's pretty much the only use he was to you at this point. And right, then just cut, sit there, cut, cut the contract. Yeah, cut bait. Instead of going through all the arbitration process, just cut bait. Cut him. Let someone else go and sign him as a make him an unrestricted free agent. Let him go find out what his market is. Right. Because he wouldn't have gotten this per year on the market, even on a on a one year deal, maybe. Yeah, I think another team would but, have taken a waiver and signed him for you know, even if Colorado was like, screw it, we'll yeah. give you two point five. Yeah, on a one play, on a like, one or two year deal, maybe. But uh, on a one year deal, I, I don't think the Bruins need this. Like at this point. If you, he's still relatively young, so you're having another young player step in to take that role. Austin Sarnett did a better job as the third or, or fourth line center role than he did last year. He's been so terrible at center that they moved into the wing, except he sucks as it just doesn't feel natural to him. Right. So he disappears. He never goes and fights for the puck in the corner. He just still hangs out around the front of the net like he's a center and then gets back defensively, but he's not tough on the puck. Like, literally, that's what makes him a great power play uh, guy is because he just sits in the corner with guys standing five feet off of him, and he has the hands and skills to just use that space. That's pretty much all he has. Uh, but uh, when I say that they're, they've they been too quiet, is that the, the Ryan Spooner news is the biggest news that has happened to them so far. And you know who else is not a, a restricted free agent but not yet arbitration eligible? David Pasternak. Why the hell is a guy who's 21 years old who just scored 35 goals and had 70 points in a season and had and was actually second on the team in in uh, uh goal points in the playoffs and every everyone was saying oh he had a bad playoff series he had a f- bad first couple playoff games and then he came on towards the end the last f- four games of that series he was one of the more consistent guys especially on the power play 
and he was five on five. Yeah, he he gets knocked over easily. He's still twenty one. Like like he's still building into his NHL body. And even with not being at a full NHL body yet at twenty one, he had thirty five goals and seventy points. And the Globe had just tweeted out today something from head coach Don Sweeney saying he wishes that the contract negotiations between the Bruins and Pasternak were farther along than they were. Yeah. Which tells me that he's going to hold out till camp, maybe even till preseason, to sit there and say, Why is he not signed yet? Right. He's sitting there saying, pay me the money. You went to the table for Ryan. You can pay me the money. Yeah. They have such an influx of young talent who are already at the NHL uh, level roster. And at the door, knocking in to take all those bottom-of-the-roster roles that are not entirely, like, filled in yet. And then they still have a pretty good, solid veteran core on their top par- on their top lines and top pairings that I didn't need them to do much this offseason. I just wanted them to sign David Pasternak. Right, I was going to say, if there's that's one it. thing you need to do in an offseason, it's re-sign your 35-goal scorer. That's literally the only thing. Or do and something. And they have not done it. So, so far, and until they re-sign him, fail. It's an F. For this offseason. Absolutely. That's the only thing that they need to do, and they have not done it. Because if you walk away from this offseason and you enter in with nothing with David with Pasternak, you have a gaping wound. Yeah. Like, your team is still adequate on defense. Actually, I'll amend that to a D- minus because they drafted a, a very promising guy in the first round. No, left shot defenseman, which they're lacking. And he seems pretty much to project to be... Uh, have the puck moving ability of a Charlie McAvoy on the left side, but not the goal scoring and finishing ability. So in other words, he can move the puck up and down the ice. He ha- and he can see uh, pretty well and make nice passes. But that's not why I bumped him from an F to a D minus. Not uh, not because of that uh, pick. You know why? Why? It's because the name of the pick, Earl Vakaninen. Oh my God! What a great finish name that is. That's way too finished. Oh, it's great. I much prefer Charlie McAvoy. Of course, McAvoy. There, of course, there's double A's <laughs> and double K's at every spot. Is the there like N. umlauts over some of them? Like no, some, no some... accents, just a lot of double letters. But regardless, I think if the Bruins go into this season because they're not making the playoffs without Pasternak. No, and there's no like they're not. He's a restricted free agent. It should not be this difficult. The yeah, whole point a restricted of restricted free, agent free agency. He said that he wants to stay with the team. He understands he's young and that he's got a lot of years left on him. So he he's willing to take a team friendly deal in terms of AAV as long as he gets the, the years. How often do you hear a 21 year old kid saying that? Right. Usually he wants short de- a short deal with a lot of money because he's been getting paid peanuts to this point. And then from there he says, well, if I haven't won yet. Then I'll go for then the, I'll lo- go. the long right. years at AAV. He understands. I'm 21. I still got maybe 15 years in this game. So I'll make my money in my th- early 30s when I'm still relatively in my prime. My late 20s, early 30s when I'm relatively in my prime. Just give me a deal that gets me to right before that point. So what's the longest that the NHL post Ilya Kovalchuk? It's seven years you're able? Six years? Uh, after the new CBA... Uh, they, I think eight years is the max you can sign a player to. Okay, so even if they put him at six years at... Which is why Connor McDavid got eight years, but ridiculous AAV of like 12 mil a year. Right. So... Right, because again, it's it's not necessarily the length, it's that you can't front yeah, load the that contracts. That was when they were, uh, it was the half-season lockout. So the, right. the off-season right before that, foreseeing that the lockout was coming, and one of the big things that the teams were pushing for was minimizing the number of years that you could do for length of contract from what from, uh, from no limit at all down to eight to an eight year limit in terms of a max number of deals you can give to a contract. That off season is one the Blackhawks signed Taves and Kane to ten year ten mil contracts each. Yep. So it's like they they 
got grandfathered in, so they locked in their two superstars. Right, and now was... every other team since then has been stuck with saying, okay, eight years only. I mean, that was also because Ilya Kovacic had like a thirteen, like twelve, some stupidly yeah, long deal. Yep, and it was like all the money was front loaded. So of the sixty million dollar contract, he got forty million in the first five years. But yeah, I it's it has to be frustrating because he the ball is in your court. He is your guy. Even if he's standing there saying, "I want six years," but I want you know four years. Even if he says, "I want five years at five mil," okay. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah, that's not gonna hurt. So that that's literally my only item going into the off season on my check on my wish list, and it is yet to be checked off. So as I said, it's an F. Is there any items on your wish list going into the off season for the Rangers that they have not checked off? Not really. I was actually really pleasantly surprised. Jeff Gordon had me a little scared because anytime something would happen, it feels like he was very smart. Anytime something was taken off one side, he seemed to replace it pretty well, pretty equitably on the other. His contracts that he had managed to get players signed to, nothing egregious. We've seen some really ugly contracts in the past few years. I'm really impressed he got Chattenkirk at a really at what Chattenkirk's actual worth is. Not his inflated name worth, at his actual Kevin Chattenkirk player dollar worth. I'm really impressed with that. He got fast on a really affordable cap deal because we're sitting here going, oh my God, if fast goes to arbitration or if, if they let it get out of control and he's making two and a half mil and you're stuck with him and you have a guy making that much money on your fourth line, you're sitting there like scratching your head. So again, Gordon's done a really great job. I think one thing that was really interesting because my two big things were shoring up the defense. I'm always a defense first person, but especially after the way that the playoffs ended with Ottawa, it killed me how bad the defense looked. So they did some excellent moves defensively. I think they did got rid of the Stepan contract, which is kind of, I really like Stepan, but that's what they needed to do. That's fair enough. Again, they filled in where they needed to fill in. Bringing in Lindy Ruff as an assistant coach really piques my interest. At first, I really, really hated it. But if that means that Elaine Vigneault's hands are off the defense and that is just what Lindy Ruff is doing, I'll take it. I'll take two guys who have never won a cup trying to patch it together and do this thing together. I'm disappointed that Bookaboom is still kind of like flagging the wind now. But again, everything seems to be very purposeful under Gordon's leadership. And I'm really pleasantly surprised about it. So the Rangers have definitely made me happy in this offseason. I know a lot of people have been saying this is kind of like, okay, this is like, he's got two years left. Like you really got to go all in. So really pleasantly surprised and very happy with what they've done going through this offseason. Yep. So let's just take a quick second to take a deep breath. We still have a month with no for, hockey. For two for two things. <laughs> for two things. One, we have now caught up in our Let's Get Caught Up podcast. So starting next week, we're just going back to norm- baseball. Oh. <laughs> well, nor- well, normal, uh, like, week by week, like, taking it by the events as they go. But baseball is the topic right now. So No, we- what it's going to be is... We're both going to be really excited about the pennant race, and then James is going to be really excited about the Patriots in camp, and I'm just going to be yeah. crying in the corner. Oh, I'm That's what it's going to be. <laughs> I'm excited about the Patriots in camp right now. Don't even get me started. We'll be here another five hours. Um, <laughs> so uh, with that, thank you. The other reason I had us take a deep breath was more to soak it in. It's been so long since we talked hockey. I know. Well, oh. we're, for anyone who knows us, we're definitely hockey people first. All the August 1st tweets of like, so oh, I miss so, hockey. So we're like, oh, me too. I know. It was oh, that, that was fun. So if this one went along, sorry, it's, it's been a long time. We, just it was crank just, up the AC. We just, we just let it go. We just let it loose on that one. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. 
uh, and be on the lookout for next week when we get back into our normal routine of weekly podcasts. Uh, thank you. I'm James Anderson. Alongside mm-hmm. is Gabby Riggie, as usual. Thank you.